Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So we, we were getting into credit last week, where we talked about... Um, the reason why credit is important how you can leverage credit, how you can use it to your advantage and how credit can help you grow exponentially and how it makes, you know, a dollar work in three different ways. Everybody understand that? Everybody remember that? Please give me a wave or a shout to make sure that we all agree that's where we left off and you guys are comfortable with that. Yes? Got a couple awesome. yeses. Yep. Yeses, we got some thumbs up in the... Okay, wonderful. Okay, so... I don't know if we got to this. I think we got to this time, but we didn't really talk about it once. So the factors that are determining a credit score, which is a very important, we're going to get into more. We're talking a lot throughout the program is one is payment history. So when people talk about, you know, fixing my credit, my credit is bad. What can I do to get it better? These are the things you should be looking at. And these are the things that kind of drive your score either negatively or positively. So payment history, you know, and people say the first thing I tell them, you know, a credit card, credit report is like your report card, basically for your credit, how well you've paid on time, how many you've paid late, how many missed payments you've had, how many outstanding uh, debt do you have? So the first thing you could look at is your payment history. And if you want to increase your credit score, it's about paying your bills on time, not a week late, not a day late, not doubling up next month, but paying on time is very important. And always try to pay over the minimum. You know, the theory of like, oh, I, I missed this month, I'm going to double up next month. That does not help your credit score. It actually, it'll lower your credit score. Um, the second thing is amount owed, credit utilization ratio. Like Larry introduced a word that I love to say throughout the program, which is desperation. Realization means, means how much of the balance have you used up? If you have like three credit cards and they're all maxed out and then you apply for the fourth credit card or you apply for a loan or for a mortgage, you're going to look at that and say, wow, this person is just living on the edge. You know, they're maxing out their cards and not being um, financially responsible, credit responsible. So we don't know if we want to lend out. And if we do, we might put some terms behind it, you know, may charge your highest interest rate, but make the terms a little more stringent, not as flexible, because you're showing that you just kind of live on the edge and you max out your card. So a good number that people say in the industry is always at least have 30 percent utilization rate, meaning that you're only you only you still have if you have a card balance of a thousand dollars you've only used up to $700 of it. You know, try not to max out your cards. Try not get too close to um, where it looks like you're getting into that um, desperation zone. And you, you've got uh, a question in the chat about why you might need more than one credit card from Mike. Well, the reason why, like I just mentioned, is because so you don't have one. It's better you have three cards underutilized versus one card maxed out. Even if the, even if the three cards had like $200 credit limits, versus one card at a $600 credit limit, it's better you have three cards spread out where you're not maxed out. And, you know, closing a card actually lowers your credit score because if we do the math, it says that you, for example, if you have a card, if you have a $400 outstanding balance and you have them spread across four cards at $200 each, right? Your utilization rate, I think, is going to be at 50%. Let's just say you get rid of one of those cards. You close out one of those cards and you have three cards but with a balance round owing still up $400. Does everybody follow me? Then your utilization rate is now at around 66% because you've gotten rid of that free credit that you had. 
that not, not, not free credit, I'm not saying it right. You've gotten rid of that available credit that you had. So your utilization rate goes up, makes you look like you're more, you're desperate versus being not as desperate. Does everybody understand? I know I'm racing, but this, this is a very important point. So closing out your card will actually increase your utilization rate. You don't have as much available credit. You once had an available credit of $800. Now by closing out one of the $200 cards, you only have available credit of $600. So versus having only used 400 out of the 800, you've used 400 out of the 600 available. Does that make sense? Wait, so basically you're supposed to make it seem like um, you have more responsibility so they can give you, um, make your credit go up? Not necessarily responsibility. It makes it look like you're not maxed out on your cards as much, right? It's a utilization rate. So the more credit, more outstanding available credit you have that you're not actively, that you're not, not that actively using, that you're being responsible with, the more favorable you look to your creditors. Now, let's go back to the report card analogy. For example, if you have, if you have an A average in school based on two courses, you only took math and physics and you got an A in math and physics and you have an A average. Would it look better if you had an A average and if you had four courses, you took math, physics, chemistry, and, and English, right? Spread over four, you have four A's versus only two classes, you have two A's. So if you have, with credit cards, you have four credit cards spread out with, a, with an average balance, with a minimum balance, it looks more favorable to the credit. credit. And even when you start mixing up with different types of credit, like when one may be a personal loan, one may be a credit card, another one will be a mortgage, to show that you've been able to manage different types of credit and pay them on time. Am I making sense? Yeah, so the more you can handle, um, the more favorable, favorable you look. And where you're not having to maxed out. Right. Make sense? Okay. And the next is length of credit history. And we talked about this in the first class. Why, why Mr. 850 is Mr. 850. Not only was he paying his bills on time, was he not, was he respecting his utilization rate, but he's also been doing this for a number of years. So, you know, a lot of people out the bat think that, oh, why don't I have great credit? Or because for the last two years, I've been paying my bills on time. And why haven't my credit score jumped up where it needs to be? Because I've been doing good things for the last six months. Well, they look at time. Like, have you weathered the storm? And the longer you've been doing well, the more your credit score will increase and get better. So, and so that's why, you know, your first credit card, if you can, never close it out. Because your length of credit history starts from the first credit you apply for. That's your history date. So that's what I always encourage. The earlier you establish credit, the better you are because it's, you, you look like you've had credit for a long time, been able to manage it. Um, credit mix is what I just mentioned earlier. You know, if you have a good mix of different types of credit, credit cards, student loans, mortgage, auto loans, et cetera, once again, it shows responsibility that, hey, I can make my car payment, which is a different kind of payment. I've been making my credit card payment, which is revolving credit versus installment loan. I've done good. And I've had a long-term commitment with my mortgage. I've been paying that. And when I finish school, I actively pay my student loans as well. So now I'm applying for another type of loan. They're going to be like, oh, this person, hey, is, is showing that the different types of loans that he's received, he's been responsible with. Um, recent inquiries are hard inquiries versus soft inquiries. So a hard inquiry means where, you know, where the, you have are applying for credit and you have asked somebody to run your credit report. Soft inquiries are where like when you get credit card offers in the mail, where you get like these different offers online, like how do they know it was me? Because they buy these lists with your tax ID and depending on your credit score, what they're looking for, they will send you offers. Soft inquiries do not affect your credit score, but hard inquiries do. It gets back to my favorite word again, which is desperation. The more you shop around and look for credit, it looks like you're, you know, there's some, there's, it, it draws a red flag. So I always say to people, you know, you can print out one copy of your credit report. And if you're applying for credit, you can forward that to the lender and say, here's, like, I'm always trying to be the assertive one, the aggressive one. I'm applying for mortgages or whatever that I'm, I'm looking for. I'll send them my credit report. I'll tell them I have an 800 credit score. I, I, live, I live here. Um, I've never missed a payment. Here's how much money I make. I tell them everything up, up front. And I said, based on that, well, do I qualify? And if they say, well, yeah, yeah, you should qualify. Okay, great. Once you commit to me that I can qualify that, then I'll send you the supporting documents. But I don't think like some people are like, will ask you right away for your credit report, right away to run your credit, right away for you to fill it because they want you to be committed to them. 
first. They want to get your business, but you can control that narrative and say, be uh, proactive about it and say, here's my story. Let me tell you my story. And based on that, do I qualify? And then you can shop around. And then when you finally meet the bank or lending institution that you're comfortable with is then when you fill out their form and give them what they need. But initially when you're just, you know, when you're just looking and you're looking for the right mix, right partner to work with, right lending institution to get the loan, you shouldn't send out your credit report and have them pull your credit out multiple places until you're ready to commit because that will affect your credit score. Make sense? Yes. All right, let's go to the next one. Yes. Uh, I did have one question about that. Um, and just to just to um, give them a little bit more, uh, I guess, insight into that. Do you think it would make sense to set up appointments at each of the different banks or, or like with financial advisors at those banks? Is that how you would do that? Or would you reach out via email to um, send out that information? Like you were saying that saying that I have such and such credit score and um, I, this is my history. No, I think in these times, you know, you can be comfortable you can, by doing business over the phone. Like the branch is just a facilitator. They really are. Everything is outsourced. Like when you go to a branch, you know, hope nobody here works at a branch is going to judge me by saying it. But they're just kind of like, they're just in there for them. You're just filling out a form for the most part. And then they're facilitating it to the right department. It's all back office work. Sean, Even open your account. Yes, Sean, a quick, quick note. I mean, for, for all you guys, I don't know if we talked about uh, things like Credit Karma last time. You know, those free places where you can sort of check your credit without pulling your entire report. Since you only have one pull per um per credit agency a year but credit karma will like will live estimate your credit score based on you know those same metrics we just talked about and when you go on credit karma right one of their business is that they get paid for recommending people credit cards right and loans and so it's not necessarily a bad thing because you can go to their credit cards page and you can see based like they will recommend you credit cards based on your profile so you will have a pretty good idea on which credit cards or loans that you will qualify for. So, you know, not that just because Credit Karma says it, you'll get it, but you'll have a pretty good idea if you're sort of within reach. Exactly. And maybe a good suggestion is that your first um, credit card you apply for, look for ones that offer you a free credit report. Because there's credit cards, which I have, like Discover, American Express, where you can where they will provide you an, a review of your credit report and your credit score that you can always look at on a daily basis. So you avoid you having to get your credit credit um, information pulled. And some companies will use that as initially, and then they may say they want to do an actual um, pull of your credit report down the road. But you can show them, hey, um, through my American Express credit card, this is what my credit score is showing. Somebody had, somebody had a point to make? Okay, let's continue. So the difference between credit scores, like I said earlier, there are three main credit report bureaus, okay? And their job is not to just, not to make sure, their job, yeah, integrity-wise, you're trying to get accurate information, but they're just collecting data. They're collecting information that's given to them by lending institutions. So it's for you to manage and make sure that everything that they're getting is correct. So for example, and remember, they're independent of one each other, Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's. So they're not cross-referencing with each other to say that, hey, what number did you get for Larry's credit score? What number did you get for like uh, Equifax? What did you get Larry's credit score to be? Um, Experian, what did you get? And TransUnion, no, they don't do that. They independently gather and create the score. And sometimes, usually they're close within a 10 to 15 points at most difference. But if you see a huge gap, there's a story to be told. And you have to look and see where if there's an error, what the oversight is and what the problem is to make sure that what's being reported to them is correct. So that's why you'll see a lot of times when you apply for mortgages, when you apply for auto loans, they'll pull your report, your credit report from all three institutions, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, to make sure that the information is accurate. And they usually, most of them take the average score or the medium score. There's a difference between the medium and the average. So the average score would be you add up all three and divide by three, and that's your score. Or the medium would be the middle score between the three of them, which might necessarily be the average. And as a lending institution, you have the right to make credit decisions based on whatever theory you want. Remember, this, the whole credit report, credit score is just a tool that was created for lending institutions to, to factor in who they're going to lend money to or who they're going to um, do deals with based on, you know, the credit history. So they, they just get this information and they make their own decisions on, you know, what they want to provide based on what your credit score is. All right. So I think that wraps up. Are we one more slide, right? Sorry, one more slide from class two. 
Larry? Okay, cash versus credit. So I think I kind of highlighted it, but I'll just go over it real quick. You know, if, if you are still in this mindset of cash versus credit, you really just got to understand that in these times, when you use cash to buy something, it's a one-to-one purchase. Meaning that if I go to Foot Locker and I buy a pair of Nike shoes, I give them cash, $100 for the shoes, they give me back the shoes, one-to-one transaction. But if I use my credit card to buy those shoes, not only do I get the shoes, I get the items, I can earn rewards, gain points by buying the shoes, and then also through my credit card. And then I also, I build my relationship and potentially increase my credit score with lenders. And lenders see, hey, he made this purchase, he paid it back on time. And at the end of the day, I'm able to use somebody else's money, the credit card, to purchase what I need and eventually have a 30-day window in which to pay it back. You know, and I'll give you a quick example of how this works for me. With like, well, every month, I, I probably every, you know, twice a month, I go to the drugstore to buy things for myself. I buy things for my kids, toiletries, and that so forth. And I, because of the points that I correct, correct, collect by purchasing other items, I'm able to spend between, you know, between seventy and hundred dollars every two weeks at Rite Aid because they honor my American Express points and really get the items for free. So whatever I bought to build up those points allows me to gain points where I can get actual items twice a month from Rite Aid, which is $70, $140 a month, every month for free. You know, and it's a huge difference. So if I were to just use, if I were just buying things on cash, I would have to then be spending cash at Rite Aid every two weeks. So I know my treat to me every two weeks, like, yeah, I can go to Rite Aid and get items between $70 and $80 and no, I am not paying for them because they were paid through purchases I made in the past. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, cool. So let's go to class three. I hope I wasn't rushing it, but, um, you know, I, I just kind of want to make sure that we have eight weeks together that we get all this inf- important information out to you guys. Okay. So we're going to actually now look at an actual credit report. Can everybody see the credit report? Is it clear enough? Because I want you guys to participate and kind of read through it. And, you know, to me, this is like a privilege because I didn't see my first credit report until I had to look and see what was wrong with my credit. So to be able to kind of see it before I understand it is this is a very important tool because it'll make you confident to know that, hey, I can review my credit report myself and I can um, see what things are true or what things need to be corrected. Can it right? Is there any way to make that a little bit bigger to read it easier? Larry? Let me try, but well, I can't guarantee how clear it might be. Is that better? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's better. Yeah, and we can send around we can send around the example that we use because it's available online afterwards too. But if, if people can see it, that's better now. It's just a lot going on. Okay, so <laughs> let's start. So can anybody tell me where is this credit report from? Where is this credit card pulled from? Experian. Experian. Okay. And what is Experian? A, one of the like businesses that do the credit reports. Yeah. That's like their credit bureau. And it gives you your, your um, accurate credit score. Excuse me? Gives you your credit score. like No, it gives you your credit report. There's a difference. Oh. FICO provides you with a credit score. Experian provides you with a credit report. They work together. But Experian will provide FICO with all the data to give the score, but they just provide the report card. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So continue. What's in the first line? What is number one, Bo? What does that say? It's first line? Yep. Um, online personal credit report from Experian for John Q. Consumer. Exactly. So this is a very, Their this is where you should first. Report number is one five. Yeah. This is very important. As simple as it is, this is where a lot of errors are made. Duplications of names, wrong tax IDs. So really the first line is like your, your name and you want to make sure. I've seen middle initials mess up credit reports. You want to make sure that everything is correct. Your middle initial is correct. Your last name is spelled correctly. Your first name is spelled correctly. Your tax ID is, is correct. Or your social security number. All of that is correct. All your personal information, your date of birth, everything is accurate. Because inaccuracy can, can change your credit score because you may be pulling, they may be pulling it from somebody else's credit report and mixing it with yours and a whole bunch of mess. And these are all like what I call unique identifiers, meaning like they, 
you know, in, in, in simple coding, like, okay, name has to match the birth date. Birth date has to match the tax ID. If not, it's false, right? So you want to make sure that everything matches so they're pulling the correct information. Okay, so that's number one. And number two is now the just the hyper in, hyperlinks. So if you want to navigate quickly down your report and see something, then you can just click there. Um, who can help me out with, with number three? What is number three? Potentially negative items. And what does that mean in simple terms? What is the definition? Let's read it up. Items that creditors may view less favorably. It includes a creditor's name and address, your account number, account status type, and terms of the account and any other information reported to Experian by the creditor. So, it also includes any bankruptcy line and judgment information obtained directly from the courts. Okay. So why do you think it's important that they put the potentially negative stuff first? I always, you know, I'm always a half full guy versus half empty. So I always like to start on a positive note. But why do you think it's important read the credit report? They kind of start on the negative note. Excuse me? Hello? Somebody said something? Yeah, I think that was an accident, actually. Okay. Um, can anybody help me? Akeem, can you help me? Why did, okay, Carolyn, why are they starting with the negative stuff? Well, I'll, 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 I'll jump in. The reason why is because, you know, they want to show you things that are affecting your score from going up, things that you've got to pay attention to, things that may need correcting, things that may be incorrect, things that you need to work on. So you want to really pay attention to see, okay, these are negative. These are, and once again, I told you, like, nobody can tell you how much your score is going up or down, going up or down, but they can tell you things that make it go down or make it go up, but by not how much it's, you know, that's like the secret sauce, like I, what I discussed in the prior class. So they'll tell you these things are make are affecting your score in a negative way. And the first thing we talk about, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I'm right, but I was thinking like that they probably put like the stuff you owe, like for example, like loans or debt probably. So like well not no no the credit debt is not looked at as a negative thing. And even in life and business. Well-managed debt is a positive thing. Unmanaged debt or unnecessary debt is a negative thing. But billionaires, millionaires carry and manage debt. So that's one thing to have a wealth mindset. You have to change your mindset and think as debt as being a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. It's how well you manage that debt and what kind of debt you consume. Like, for example, if you own... 10 buildings and have mortgage balances of a million dollars, is it better to own a million dollars and own 10 buildings versus own nothing and have zero buildings? Right? But if you have a, a $10,000 in consumer debt, like, you know, clothing, trips, you know, those kind of things that don't add, you know, to your growth and wealth potential, then that's a, to me, that's a negative debt. But to order to achieve, to achieve wealth and become successful, you need to look at debt as a potentially good thing, but at how well can you manage it? So this has nothing to do with being debt because your whole credit report shows debt, <laughs> but there's well-managed debt. Like, you know, the cost of an education, you know, one can argue and say like, you know, nobody wants student loans, you know, but to me, you know, within reason, paying for your education and having an education is worth the cost, right? Because that can take you to a whole level as far as just knowledge and, 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 and earning potential. Um, so let's look at this potentially negative item, which is a good one. It's called public records. So this means this could be a situation where number of them, where you have outstanding tickets that you've gotten, you've ignored them, ignored them, and they take the, and they put a lien and they take them to the county credit report that that could be a potentially negative item that could affect your credit score. Or if you, for example, if someone says to you, you know what, you didn't attend today's class. And I'm like, I'm suing you because you didn't come to the class today. I'm suing you 
for what the, the maximum small claims court will allow, which is $5,000. And I go to small claims court and I'm like, I am suing Carolyn Primus because she didn't speak in class and I'm suing her for $5,000. And you get a notification in the mail and saying, Sean Linda is suing you for $5,000. And you call Rachel and you're like, Rachel, what is this? This is crap. And Rachel agrees like, why is Sean Linda suing you for not coming, for not speaking in class? It is ridiculous. And you're like, yeah, it's ridiculous. And you both, and you choose to ignore it. You're like, you know what? I'm not even taking this serious. And I show up at the courthouse, night court. And I'm like, they call out your name. You're not there. They call out my name. I'm there. And I say, hey, she didn't show up for class. She wasted my time. The cause of blah, blah, blah. And I make up all this crap. And this is why I'm claiming $5,000. The judge could be like, okay, award me that. Because you weren't even there to represent yourself. And then if you decide now you get something in the mail and it says, you owe Sean Linda $5,000. The court has found you guilty because you didn't even show up. And you're like, this is ridiculous. And you don't show up. I have the right to go put a lien, put a negative on which would affect your credit score to say that anytime you make any potential earnings or whatever thing, it shows that you have this lien where you owe me this money because you didn't show up in court. So especially in, in America, you may be sued, someone may sue, which is something ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense to you, but you have the responsibility. You have to respond to it. You have to make sure you do your due diligence because it could, it could haunt you down the road. And I've seen this happen a hundred times. Like, you know, one of my family members, her father um, signed a car for her. And I was just on the phone yesterday and she didn't make payments to the car. She went through tolls. She didn't pay tolls. She did all kinds of stuff where he had this $5,000 that he owed for tickets and fines that he never, the car that he's never seen or drove. And then the day I had to break, and the car payments are behind, I had to break them to you. It's your car. It's in your name. You have to resolve it. Unfortunately, what she did was wrong, but it's, it's your responsibility. And these things will negatively, it's negatively affecting his score, negatively affecting what he can do. His license is suspended because of something he had nothing to do with. So I'm saying you have to do these diligence because these things will affect you and your credit. You have to guard your credit very carefully. Like I always say, I'd rather lend you $100 than to let you use my credit card for $100. Make sense? Yep. Yes. Uh, next slide. Okay. Can someone else? So these are negative potential negative I think, Larry, I'll let you explain some of them because you'll kind of get through a little quicker than I can. Yeah, sorry, this is a little hard to read, guys, which is why I, I, can, I can walk through this. Um, so these are also other potential negative items. You know, if you look at this, you've got two sections here. You've got one by this thing called ABCD Bank. It's just an example bank, right? You've got this other item from uh, this thing called Main Collection Agencies, right? And so where you can figure out what's going on is, is the status. You can see for number four, tells you what the status of each of these um, uh, accounts is. So under the bank, under ABC Bank, you see the status is uh, past due 60 days. You paid it, but it's past due 60 days, right? And if you look down at the account. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. History section, you'll see that one of the things that banks like to keep track of when, when you talk, talk about a late payment is not just that you're late, but how late it was, even if you pay it back, right? So just because you paid it back and you say, oh, you know, I paid all my, all my debt, uh, they still record it. The later you go, the worse it's going to be. And, and, and that has an effect on your credit score. So they track things like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, past due, and, and all this you can see right here, right? Um, as I said, it says it's paid, so your recent balance is zero, right? But that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect your credit because, as I said in the past, it's going to be on your record for a while, and it's going to take – the only thing that's going to get that off is, is time. The second thing, if you look at this collection agency, here you have – under status, it says there's a collection amount. $95 past you as of April, right? And so if you look at the recent balance, it says you're, they, you still owe $95 of, as of whatever the time of the status is, so April 2012. But under here, this says this item was disputed by consumer, i.e. you. So you said, you probably went in and said, hey, look, this $95, either you remember paying it or I should not have been charged this $95 for one reason or another, and that is within your right to go and dispute it. And you can do it a couple of ways, right? You can either call whoever's responsible, uh, whether let's say if it's your credit card, then you call your bank um, or a lot of these uh, credit bureaus like Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, they have ways for you to dispute it online. Um, so you can go on, I've done it before. You can go on into their portal and actually submit whatever documentation that you think proves your case, right? So if you've made a payment, you can submit that you made your payment, you registered it on your on your checking or savings account. And then uh, with, you know, you should be able to take this off, right? So this is where you can find all this negative stuff. Is that, does that cover everything? Uh, any questions, John, from anyone? No, I think that was thorough. So we can keep moving. So this is the next section. John, you wanna do this or? I mean, you can continue. Oh so yeah. So the next section is, uh, is this thing called accounts in good standing. So I think that's pretty obvious what that means, right? We just talked about the accounts that are potentially negative. And yeah. And as Keyshawn said, this is, this is good stuff, right? This is stuff that's healthy. This is stuff where you've either, you know, paid things off yet. Didn't have any late payments, uh, no defaults in your loans or anything like that. And so again, you have these accounts here, you have this automobile auto finance, as one account, main is another account. And if you look at the status, which is the important thing, again, it's an open account, so it's active, never late. You've never been late. You've always made your balances. So this is a good thing, right? Even though you have a balance, which is pretty high, 7,984. So, you know, when Sean was talking about credit utilization, this might not be good because your original limit's 10,000. You've still been paying things on time. So, you know, while it's not great, it's, it's not it's not a very negative thing like missing your payment, right? On this other account, this is also an account that was never late, but it's been closed. So you, you've closed this account. Um, so, you know, you've made all your payments on time. Then you decided, I don't want this account anymore. You called the bank and told them that you want to close it. And that's fine, right? It's, it's, you close it at your request. It's not because you haven't been making the payments. Everything is totally fine. Everything makes sense? So even just to add to what Larry's saying, um, I'm not telling you not to review it, but accounts of good standing mean that everything is fine. These are positive things to your credit report. So more than likely, these are things are just you're not going to have an issue with, you know. So these are things that you may want to just, you know, where you don't have to pay as much attention to as a negative stuff. Hence why it's, it's, further, it's further down in your credit report. And I, the closing accounts, I'm not a fan of closing accounts, because like I said, it, it lowers utilization rate. It takes away from your account and credit history. You know, it's a, it's a personal decision, but I don't see the point of closing them unless, you know, for a credit card, some, some charge annual fees and they have fees associated with it. And, uh, you know, the cost of carrying that card 
to increase your credit score to something you have to wait. But I don't think it's worth for me to pay an annual fee on a card I'm not using to just keep my credit score up. But what I can suggest, you can downgrade that card. Most credit card companies that have cards that charge a fee will also have cards that don't charge a fee. So like, for example, prior to COVID, I traveled every month. Every month I went away to the Caribbean. I worked 24 days. I would go away four days. I worked every day, including Sundays. But since COVID happened, obviously, I'm not traveling as much. And a lot of my credit cards were based on travel cards where I get hotel stays. I get access to lounges. One of the cards I had was this Barclays card, this black card. And I closed it down because the fee, annual fee on it was $800. And I like I, I didn't use it for nine months because I didn't travel. So instead of, and it was, but I had an outstanding, I had a spending limit of, I can't remember, like maybe 20 to 30,000, somewhere around there. And instead of losing that available credit, I asked them, do they have any cards with no annual fee? And they had one with zero annual fee. And I said, can I transfer, can I, can I get changed, switch to that card instead, which they did. And I still don't use the card, but it's more or less to keep that credit line open and keep that available credit open. So I closed out. The type of card, but I kept the, another card in replacement of it. And I can guarantee most credit card companies will always have a card with no annual fee that you can do that same situation with. And if you do that, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, I think you preserve the history of your original account. Yeah, you're right. You do. And I asked that question. You do. You preserve the history of your card. Yeah. And, um, and so, so Nigel had, had two questions, one question and one note. And I think that's important to say. So do closed accounts stay in your report forever? Uh, I think they do, Sean. Correct me if I'm wrong yeah. again. But I don't think it it you know it matters that much because they're closed. So you know they're not Correct. they're not factoring into your outstanding balance. Obviously, they're not factoring into your credit history, which is important, right? Like the average uh, history or age of your credit accounts because it's closed. And like they say, like you know, bankruptcies and write-offs. They, they stay for like, I hear the assays, they stay for seven years, they affect your credit score. But, you know, I think sometimes they remain there. It's just not as it's weighted as it would be um, within the first seven years. And, and, and we, another good question is, uh, Karina asks, are you supposed to spend 30% of your card to keep the score? No, I would say. So the 30% that we mentioned earlier, that's the credit utilization ratio, right? And so the 30% is, is sort of like the informal standard that people say the benchmark that people say is 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 good you want to be below 30 percent it does not mean you should spend 30 percent right it means you should want to be below 30 percent um and i think your question probably is asking uh you know if i don't spend anything on my card will they close my account some places will actually have noticed for inactivity if you don't spend anything for like two years i've had people come and close my account but for the most part i would say they generally don't have like a requirement for you to spend anything. And, you know, if you're, if you're paranoid about it, like I am sometimes maybe like every year you put a reminder on your calendar, go buy a Starbucks or like go buy like a donut or something like, um, and spend like $3, three to $5 on that card just to keep it open. It was uh, Larry, I just want to jump in real quick on uh, the area where you guys are talking about closed accounts, credit cards. Um, if you close an account, and uh, it will stay on your report. Um, a car loan, if you pay it off and it closes, it, it doesn't hurt your, hasn't hurt my credit. Um, when I did the um, refi and I paid off the, um, the refi for my home, or I should say I took out a different loan and closed that account, all right, um, with my home mortgage and also with some real estate that I own, I refied those. And as the rates dropped, I refied again. So you'll see multiple loans that are closed on your account. Um, some will be uh, mortgages, some will be auto loans, some will be, may even be, um, you know, personal loans or, or, or credit card here and there. Uh, most credit cards will stay on your report. I've did the, the, the closing of cards about maybe 12 years ago. So when Sean tells you don't close your account, I closed like four, I think about five credit cards. All right. And I just closed them. And if I would have had those cards open today, 
I mean, I could have still just had them and used them and just had them logged as cards that are open. And my score, even though it is 850 with Experian, it would have been 850 with um, Equifax and TransUnion as well. Okay, let's go to the next slide, Larry. There's one earlier, you know, someone asked about like, if can you and a partner pay a credit card together? Yeah, you can get a joint card. Like you can, well, you add a beneficiary. So there'll be one responsible party for that card. It's like, you won't, both won't equally share in the responsibility of the credit card, but you both can have access to a credit card, if that makes sense. Somebody would have to be the primary holder of the card and then somebody else is going to be the secondary holder of the card. And if the primary, if the secondary holder doesn't pay the responsibility, the, the prime, it always falls back to the primary holder. So a lot of people do that. We'll give people credit cards or, or like I said, like my family member that signed off on a car for somebody thinking that, oh, I'm just doing them a favor and the responsibility is theirs. No, the responsibility is yours. Even if you are, if you're the co-signer, co-signer means if the initial signer does not make payment, it comes to you. So you have to understand like what's behind that. And if, and if it shows up in your credit report, which it will, it can affect you from getting further credit. Even if the person is making payments on time and doing everything right, they'll be like, well, you already have this credit card or you already have this car loan. It looks like you've extended your affordability. So we can extend further credit to you. We can't give you a car now for yourself because you already have a car outstanding because you have this car and you can say, well, I don't drive it. My cousin drives it. It's not my car. They don't care. This is what's showing on your credit report to the eyes of the law. It's your car your responsibility. And I'm not telling you for um, like living this selfish minded life, but it's really being responsible and looking out for your best interest. And remember your best interest is the best interest of those around you too. your loved ones, your future loved ones, your future children, your future husband, your future wife. Like so many people I've known have gone into stories like, yeah, I'm with this person, but you know, I'm having there's there's I'm stressed out because my credit's messed up and there it isn't. And, uh, you know, and it affects the relationship. The number one reason for breakups in a relationship is finances. So if you're coming with your issues and they're not, it could put a strain on the relationship. And a lot of people run into difficulties because of like situations where they didn't even mean to get involved in, you know, so you really have to be responsible in these everyday decisions that you make. And I'll be quite frank with you, you know, most people that are in like, are make, that are making bad financial choices or running up their credit, you coming in trying to save them, probably, unless it's something like that, just out of the ordinary, you know, they lost the loved ones and it was funeral expenses or they had a medical emergency of that nature, but it's just everyday purchase and everyday irresponsibility. Chances are you bailing them out of the morning is not going to be a long-term solution. I hate to be blunt with it, but it's, it's, it's you know, stats show. Um, let's continue. Number seven, can somebody read out what number seven is? Request for your credit history. Can somebody read that out? Larry, you may want to read it. Okay? I think you probably can see it better than anybody else. All right. So requests for your credit history. So these are, these are what we call inquiries, right? So requests for your credit history are logged on your report whenever anyone reviews your credit information. There are two types of inquiries, and Sean talked about this earlier, so this shouldn't be surprising. One, Inquiries resulting from a transaction initiated by you, right? So these are inquiries from your applications for credit, insurance, housing, any other loans, right? Uh, and uh, they may also include transfer of an account to a collections agency. Uh, creditors may view these items when evaluating your credit worthiness. So that's one. Two, these are inquiries that result from transactions you may not have initiated but are allowed. Um, under the FCRA. So these are things like pre-approved loans and, and stuff like that, that Sean talked about. Sean? Yeah, I'll let you continue, Larry. Okay. So, so these shouldn't be that surprising. Remember, we talked about the two types of inquiries. So the first one, remember, the ones that you initiate, the ones when you go apply for a credit card, you know, you feel like you have a reasonable confidence you're going to get it. So you go tell the bank, hey, run my credit. Right. So um, let's see if we use, I don't know if it tells you. Yeah. Uh, these are requests viewed by others. So these are ones that people have come in and reviewed your credit uh, and then inquiries resulted from transactions you may not have initiated. So these are ones where people come and pre-approve you for a loan. 
uh, they run you for your credit, but it does not affect your credit score. So these are like pre-approved things. And if you go on, for example, if you go on something like a Credit Karma or any of the banks to go check your credit, uh, that should not affect your credit because you're not running your credit. You're just checking your, your report. Any questions? Oh, I'll say one more thing. If you if you if you say if you see here on on any of these comments, you'll see this inquiry is scheduled to continue on record until some date. So inquiries do come off, especially the the what we call the hard inquiries are the ones that you initiate. So those are ones that come off, uh, but they take a couple of years. So you see, this one was in two thousand six. It came off in two thousand eight. 2006, 2008. The one up top, 2012, comes off in 2014. So generally around two to three years, it comes off. So that's why they say, if you're going to apply for a bunch of credit cards, don't do them all at once. Because if you space them out, then every time you apply, they won't have too much of a hit on you, right? And over time, they sort of come off. So by the time one comes off, then you can apply for the next one. It's not a hard and fast rule. You can have multiple inquiries on your account, but you know, if you're applying, if you're thinking about applying for a student loan to go to college, if you're planning on getting a mortgage to buy a house, it probably doesn't make sense to apply to five credit cards right before you, you get the mortgage or your loan. All good? All right, so this last part should be pretty simple, Sean, if you, if you need, if you want me to go over it really quick. Yeah, continue. You're doing so, good. Continue. So this is just your personal information. This is what Sean was talking about earlier. You want to make sure that Everything here is correct. It, it, it seems simple, but your address, your name, your social security number, right? Who your employer is with, your date of birth, all this stuff is really important because every time you apply for a credit card, every time you apply for a loan, when you provide that information, they're going to match that up with this, right? You want to get, I'm using a bad pun here. You want to get credit for your credit, right? So, <laughs> so if you're applying for a loan and you're, you're paying it off, you want the experience and the Equifaxes of the world to see that. And so you want to make sure that all that information matches and is correct, right? It matches with, if you're filing your taxes, your tax return, it matches with your, you know, your ID, everything like that, whatever you're giving to your employer. So everything seems fine. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on the personal statement because honestly, I don't, I don't think it does too much. And I just, I just want to add one thing to what yeah. you're saying. Larry, um, it's very important to also to be proactive when it comes to your credit report. If you know you're applying for a mortgage, if you know you're applying for a credit card or applying for a loan or an auto loan, you know, the worst is, is to get to a point where you think everything is good and they run your credit and they were like, what is this? What is it? What is this? Something's like you need to before you're doing these major credit initi initiating um, obligations, you should run your credit report yourself. See what's there. See what's coming up. See what's showing up. It's, you know, it's managing expectation, managing your expectation. And even if you're applying for an auto loan, there's something negative in your credit report. It's better you tell them like, hey, after you've organized a deal, hey, you know, my credit score is, is 700 because, you know, I, I was behind payments on a, on a couple of credit cards, but I, I've taken care of it. Versus them coming to you and saying, hey, did you know that you missed a couple of payments? Now this is going to affect this deal. You should kind of, before you get involved in it, you kind of have an idea where your credit is, what your credit score is, and what you need to, and where it stands. So you can, you make sure that whatever they come with, if they have some, you have your rebuttal or you, you know, your explanation ready to, to, to provide. I think maybe we skip this, uh, this second report just for the sake of time so we can go over, because this is a lot of the same stuff. We can provide this um, to everyone if they want to look over it, but. I think it makes sense to go over to some of the key credit card terms because I think those are really important. Sean, what do you think? Um, we can go, well, uh, just a couple of highlights about this credit report. Can anybody tell me um, why there's three credit scores there? What, do I, what are they looking at? Okay, Mike, Mike, you said it looks mad confusing. What looks confusing about it, Mike? Tell me. Because I'm looking at it and then... <laughs> There's a lot of words, but I get what you mean by three credit scores because I see transition union, like three cards that you use. You see transunion. You see you're not three cards. What do you see? What do you see? Tell me, read what you see. You see transunion. What else do you see? I believe that's explain. Hey, yep. And what's the other one? Equifax. I think that's like Equifax. Exactly. Equifax. So what are they? What are they? What are they? What's their role? What are they doing? 
Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the credit score. Well, this is somebody good. applying. This is an applicant. Somebody is applying to this company for called Avantis. And they, they may be, let's just say they're applying for an auto loan through Avantis. So Avantis did what? It pulled their credit what? Report, right? Mm-hmm. From where? From three different credit bureaus, correct? Yeah. Which credit bureaus did they? What, what are the three credit bureaus that they pulled it from? Hold on. You just said them. Oh, <laughs> Transit Union, Experian, and Equifax. So they. So so you understand what's happening? They're, you're coming into an institution. Say, I want to. I want to purchase a car. They're like, okay. Um, what's your credit? Look, can we run your credit? You're like, okay, yes, we're going to run my credit. So they pull it from TransUnion, Experian, Equifax. They came up with three different scores. Do you see them? Yeah. What are the scores? 730, uh, 732, 734. So what is this story saying? Uh, isn't it like an estimate of your um, credit? It's your credit score from based on these three independent companies that collect your information. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, does, it, does the information seem to be accurate based on the fees that they're getting? I would say yes, because the scores are around the same, right? But there could be things that could be adjusted or changed. For example, if Chase is reporting that you missed two payments and it reports that to all the credit bureaus, but you know you made those payments, but maybe when you made them online, it put it as the following day to show that it was late. So it's something that to be reported as negative, that's incorrect, that you can correct. Why do I say that? What are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you're on this, you're on the mic. Why am I saying that? Because things that are negatively reported on your credit report that can be corrected or changed can have, can drive up your score if you can get them corrected, right? Yeah. And so your job would be instead of hiring somebody to go to contact Chase on your behalf, you can contact Chase and say, hey, look, I made those payments at 11 p.m. at night on the 1st when they were due, but you guys recorded them on the 2nd as being late. And Chase can be like, oh, let's look into that. Oh yeah, it is bank stamp for eleven fifty nine p.m. on 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 March first versus, and we put it in on on March second. So you're right, it isn't it isn't late. We're gonna make the adjustment, Mister Mike, and make that change. And if they make that change, guess what happens to your credit score? Because late up. payment will it'll go up. Correct. It goes up. Correct. So when this company now that you're looking to buy rent, buy a car, or lease a car from, or finance a car, is saying, hey, there are. We're looking at your credit. We want to see the likelihood that you're going to pay us back. How well are you paying other people? So it's, let's go down to what it's saying about the, the highlight of your credit report, credit summary. What is it saying? What do you have? Where is that? Down to the bottom. Credit summary. Go down a little. Right here. Here, we can make it bigger. Yeah, I see it. So what do you have? What kind of credit do you have? Um... Like the, the says the says the account, account type. type. Yeah, what do you have? What does that say? It says mortgage installment revolving slash credit line, and then the totals. Okay, so what's the mortgage? How much you on your mortgage? Um, nothing. Nothing. So you paid how many? What about installment loans? How many? How many number of accounts have you had in installment loans? Five. And what's the balance of it on them? Zero. Is that good or bad? That's bad. I'm asking you. Yeah. Somebody help. Is it good or bad that he has five, five installment loans and there's no balance on them? Is that good or bad? Somebody help me. Installment. So to give you guys a hint, if you guys don't know, a balance is what you owe on the account. Oh, so then that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I would say so. You don't have any balance. You have five of them. Looks like everything's been paid. Okay, let's continue. Revolving credit. Let's give me an example of a revolving credit line. What is that? What is that revolving credit line? We talked about that in the previous class. Give me an example of an installment loan. What's a type of installment loan? Can somebody give me an example? Yeah, I would think like installment would be like, I don't know, like plumbing type stuff. 
touched on. What's the definition of installment means? Installment means it's a fixed payment every month. The balance does not, the, the, the payment amount does not change every month for a specific period of time. So you're going to have like maybe a $500 payment for the next 36 months. Installment, 36 payments of $500. What kind of loan would that be? Let me give you an example. Vroom, 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 vroom. Oh, huh? Car payment. Car payment. Let Mad me give you another one. Huh? Let me give um, another type of installment loan. Oh, it's good to come home. Rent. Well, that's not a loan. Real estate and real estate mortgage. Somebody said, "Stacy, good answer. Personal loan, absolutely. Get it." And I'll give you yeah, one more example. Dun, Come up on the stage and get your degree. You graduated. Dun, 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 dun. What's college the other loan. one? Huh? College loan. Student loan. Tuition. Tuition. Exactly. Okay. So you're all smart. You all get A's. What's an example of a revolving loan? Now? Revolving credit. What's that? How would you like to pay for that, sir? Oh, and like, in cash? Right? No. What's an example of a revolving, revolving, meaning that the balance always changes, it may not be the same every month? Can someone give an example of something of a revolving? Can it be like phone bill? It could be a phone bill. It's I, I I mean that's that's yes, good good example. It's a phone bill is one, you're right. But the most the most obvious one, what do you what do you have in your yeah, exactly, Nigel. What do you what do you have in your wallet right now? Wallet or for the younger people, what do you have in your your phone wallet now? What do you have in your like virtual wallet? Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever. Money. No nah, I have well, my card linked to my phone. There you what go. What card? What kind of card is it? Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Debit. Uh, debit card. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, well, well that's 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 <laughs> record check. I guess Nigel, we have to let them off the hook, Nigel. Yeah. You're part of the old crew. You're part of the old school crew, Nigel. <laughs> it's official. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> your credit card, guys. Remember, we were talking about credit cards and how that's revolving credit. Mm-hmm. Your credit card, exactly. And so just to go a little step further, what's the balance on, what are the payments on your credit card and what is the balance that's owed? Can anybody help me? Well, since I see you, Nigel, I know you're, you're coasting, but I'll let you answer real quick because we have a few minutes left before we have to end the class. Can you repeat the question one more time? What is the, what are the payments amount? accumulate to this month this current period and what is about what is the balance owed so on the revolving credit line it says i think that says 15 the payments were 449 dollars in there amongst how many cars amongst let me see 26 open accounts correct Mm -hmm. perfect Mm -hmm. and and so what's is the utilization rate high or low uh, pretty low, pretty low. Exactly. And how many of the, how many, was he on time with all of his payments? It seems like yes, because I see, uh, let me see. Oh, wait, I see two accounts, three within 30 days. Yeah. He was on time as well. Well, this person was on time. Uh, I see. What's the number three represent then? Let me see. What is oh, kind of small on my screen, but it says historically late payments. You're right. Three. Yeah. Right. So he's been late three times out of 28 cards. Is it horrible? No, but is it is it a red flag? Yes. 
So you as a lender now, remember this car rental, this car company is looking over their report and saying, well, hmm, is this likelihood of this person going to make their payments on time? Well, they were good with their mortgage, good with their installment loans, but they were evolving. They missed three payments. Now, if you looked at your credit card report before early and I said, hey, Nigel, Mr. Charles, we want to get you this car, but this just came up and you already know what it's going to be. It says that you missed three payments here. Now, rather you catch you off guard, you already have your story, right? What could you say, Mr. Charles? What happened? Why did you miss it? Everything is great, Charles, but, you know, we're seeing three missed payments or late payments, 30 days late. What could you say? Question. I'm not 100% sure. Um, well, maybe I was in school. I had an exams. I, I, it slipped my mind. You know, I had a family, you know, a grievance in my family. And I'm sorry I missed, but as you look, you know, I, I've only missed three payments out of X amount of years, I've had 28 cards, I paid them on the next month. So you're able to now justify and they can come back and say, okay, I understand. Makes sense. We all have family issues. We all have things going on. That makes it versus like just finding out when you get there and you're caught off guard. True. See the difference. It doesn't mean that you have to have perfect credit like Mr. 850, but at least you can have an explanation to make the lender feel comfortable. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, so my, my Siri doesn't understand. <laughs> That's hilarious. She doesn't understand, but you understand. Definitely. And I think I'll say, I'll say one other thing. I mean, we're going to talk about this later. It's one of the five things on clean, right? Like the no shame in your game is that you need to be comp- like confidence goes a long way, right? If you're, if you're, as Sean said, if you get caught off guard, if you're shaky, if you're trying to, if you don't sound convincing in your answer, you know, unfortunately I know, look, a lot of the stuff that they do is based on numbers that the banks do are going to run you on your numbers, but stuff like this, you know, your explanation, you have power over that. And so the more credible you're able to sound, the more confident. And, and if you get straight to the point, right, instead of trying to make 50 excuses, if you're like, well, this is what happened. This is this was a circumstance that's not going to happen again. Um, and and you can see that I paid it off, right? So if, you, if you're just directing to the point, the chances of the bank listening to you are going to be a lot higher than if you're, you know, stuttering and making 30 different excuses for what could have happened. Exactly. So you're saying like persuasion is key? That's what you're saying? Persuasion. Anything and anything. Persuasion works all the time. Confidence works all the time. Not arrogance, confidence. Huge difference. I think this is a good place to to exit for this week because we're going to get into key terms and and terms to know next class, but I think this is a good end point. Does anybody have any questions? Everybody understand? I know it was a lot to take in. You guys happy? Yeah, I wanted to ask what was uh because I I kind of like, you know, my stuff was glitched, so I couldn't hear what uh, revolving was. Well, what was the example, the analogy or something? Oh, revol- Go ahead. Revolving credit would be your credit card, would be um, your phone bill, where it's not the same payment every month. It it changes. It's not it's not a fixed amount for fixed term. You can go up and down based on how much you spend, right? And generally, generally revolving loans are short term, right? So, so you're paying off if you can, right? For most people, they're paying off their credit card balance every month, right? When it's due. So nothing is late, right? And it goes up and down with it, with an installment. It's called an installment because you're making, you're making fixed chunky payments um, over time. So if you're looking at a mortgage, yes, you're also paying it monthly, but you already know way ahead of time every month what you're going to be paying. So that's, that's sort of the difference. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, so uh, for that, um, for that balance, that's, that's like terrible. Or that's like, you know, it's, uh, I feel, is that like manageable? I guess, uh, for the well, revolving that, balance? That's your, that's, well, generally, generally speaking, revolving credit, um, is, is what we call like a credit card is what we call unsecured. And what that means is, so if you have a mortgage, mortgage is an installment loan, credit card is a revolving loan. If you have a mortgage, they will use your house as what they call collateral. If you don't pay. All right. So we'll get into this next week and like the next couple of weeks, but if you don't pay, let's say you stop paying your mortgage, they can, they have the right to take your home. Because that's like, you know, that is the IOU if you don't make your payment, right? So that, that's why it's secure because for the bank, they, they have something that they can take. 
But if you go to your credit card, it's, it's unsecured, which means the bank is giving you whatever, $10,000, up to $10,000 to spend, but they don't have the right to take anything away from you if you don't make your payment. So what do you think is riskier for the bank? Um, I'd say like revolving or... Yeah, yeah, they're revolving your credit card, right? Mortgage, they can just like, you know, they could finesse you and just take your home. Yeah, mortgage, they can take your home credit card. They can't take anything. So generally speaking, your revolving um, is... is your revolving is going to be riskier. It's also going to have higher interest rates if you don't make the payment. But we'll get into that next week. So does that, that make sense? Okay. Yeah, I got it. Thank you for being very good. I know it was a lot to take in, but you guys stuck through it. And uh, I think it was a good class. All agree? Yeah, agreed. agreed. It was a great class. Very information. Thank you. All right. So we'll continue from where we left off um, next week. And enjoy your week, guys.